I'm looking through her books and I found this book that looked like it could unlock the secrets of the universe. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Curious about what book that was? I'll give you a clue. It dealt with personal finance. Surprise? Okay, maybe not since you're listening to this podcast, but I'd love Kate's enthusiasm about that book. I think it captures the excitement you can have when finding the right book at the right time, even if it's about personal finance. One of the things I love and appreciate about books is how accessible they are, whether you're grabbing them at your local bookstore, online, or picking some up at the library, they are affordable and accessible for most people. When you're starting your financial journey, chances are your money's not in a good spot. And it's not always clear what your first step should be, or even what type of budget would work for you. Naturally, you're going to want to see what's out there. As you're looking at the shelves, you can see there are plenty of options. It seems like every week a new book is coming out. How do you find the right book for you and your situation? Today, we're all about discovering and finding that personal finance book that lights a fire and gets that spark going for you to improve your finances, which is why I'm thrilled Kate Moody is joining in today's episode. She's a personal finance educator and coach, plus a former librarian. In this episode, we're going to discuss a way to scan and hone in on helpful personal finance books three types of expertise to consider when choosing the right ones for you, and then tips on vetting not just books, but personal finance podcasts and video. I hope you enjoy. One of the things I like about books, and we were talking about this just a little bit ago, uh, was how accessible they are and affordable. I remember when I had that wake-up call, that was tens of thousands of dollars of debt. And I needed some kind of plan. I felt like books were so helpful at that stage, but how do you find the right book? I think that can be a struggle because there's always a new book coming out. I wanted to talk to you. First off, I saw a video on your channel. I think that really spoke to me and I I loved was how you first made that connection with personal finance and books and an interesting book. Could you get into how that all happened and what motivated you to get into personal finance? Yes. Yes. So I graduated from college, Phi Beta Kappa, if I can right there, that's the Phi Beta Kappa, Fancy Pants Honor Society. The fanciest of Fancy Pants Honor Societies, as a matter of fact. I got home from graduation. My mom is a public school teacher and she often buys a lot of materials for her classes. And then she brings them home over the summer and I'm looking through her books. Same. I remember that. (laughs) Yes. Wasn't just my household then. I'm looking through her books and I found this book that looked like it could unlock the secrets of the universe. Kind of in a way. I was like, Ooh, and I pull it out of the box. (laughs) 
go sneak in my room and go to read it. And let me, I, I have it for you here. Because when she retired, I made her send me the book. Oh. It's called Growing Money, a Complete Investing Guide for Kids. <laughs> well, I love it. It's a complete investing guide and you can hold it in your hands. What more can you, you know, ask for? Yeah. I mean, it's written for eight-year-olds. <laughs> And mind you, again, this is like a week after earning a pretty good honors um, award from my undergraduate degree. I like to point that out because I always want to tell people like the right book for you is the book that will meet you where you are right now. Yeah. Because if I were to jump into a regular personal finance book for adults, it probably would have been really scary for me at the time. But this, because it was written for kids, it was super approachable. Yeah. I think, you know, if an eight-year-old can get it, I can get it too. And it really did. It finally like, oh, that's what a stock is. Oh, that's what a bond is. Oh, that's what trading is. Okay. Oh, yeah. Interest rate. Like all that stuff where if you don't have that basic foundational knowledge, you really can't go any further in understanding how money works. This gave me that foundational knowledge which gave me enough confidence to then go on and to like upgrade to personal finance for dummies, mm-hmm. you know, like, and then up and up and up and up. Yeah. Yeah. You got to start somewhere, but I think you bring up a couple of good points. The, the first one is just because you're an expert in one area doesn't mean you automatically know about finances. Cause that had been my experience. I was a great student, loved learning, but when it came to personal finance, that just wasn't automatic. Also too, I would say on the personal finance side, there were a lot of books. It was just very intimidating. I don't know who they were trying to serve with, with the financial terms, especially if they claimed that they were going to be for people just starting out with finances. So I feel like there were two kinds of problems butting up against each other. So how do you cut through that? Like say if... Mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know. I know the basics of a budget, but I'm not keeping up with it. How do you sort through all the personal finance books that are out there and find one that kind of clicks? Any tips? Any tips, please. Any tips. Former librarian, I've got notes in my multicolored (laughs) notebook here, color-coded and everything. Okay, so my professional librarian tips and all of these I'm going to give with a grain of salt because- Although I'm going to give you a bunch of good things to look for in books, it is 100% possible that a perfectly good book might have these, what I'll call sort of a red flag sort of sniff tests, like Mm -hmm. not sure, 100% possible that really good books would fail some of these and terrible books would pass. That's just sort of the nature of the beast of anything. And, And honestly, these suggestions are... Anytime you're looking for a source of authority on any subject, these are actually really useful. I did not come up with these myself. These are librarian rules of thumb. Some of them are actually created by the Association of College and Research Libraries, and they're what I used to teach in libraries about how to figure out who is an authority and who to listen to and who not to. First off, just the things to look for is when I pick up a book, I don't even have to open it up. Like, I can basically just look at the front and the back cover and maybe the copyright page. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of it. And I'll know whether or not I should read it or not. The first thing I look for is who is the publisher? There are five major publishing houses in the United States, like Random House, Hachette, HarperCollins, like 
big names that people would probably recognize. So if it's a big name publishing company that produced this book, that means that one, a lot of eyes have been on the book. A lot of eyes have mm -hmm. been through the material. They've checked it. They've made sure that the information is accurate as of the time of publication. They've made sure that everything that is in there is true and useful and probably somewhat entertaining or interesting or well-written because they've got copy editors going through it. So there's that kind of publishing company. That's generally a good sign. Other publishing companies you would see are university presses. Those are for mm -hmm. academic works. Although the information would be the highest quality, actually, it is not meant mm -hmm. for a standard audience. So you mm -hmm. don't want you don't want to read a uh, university press. Yeah, not your first book. <laughs> no, no. And then there's, let me get into self-publishing and vanity mm -hmm. presses, which are used when people want to just publish really fast very mm -hmm. often because it is a big process. Getting published by a major publishing mm -hmm. house is going to take possibly two years. And so a lot of people are mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm just going to go and have it done in three months at this other thing. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem with that is that you don't have all of those eyes. Mm -hmm. on the material. So when I see that it was a vanity press or self-publishing, those two terms are interchangeable. Like that's just, I'm like, okay, eh, red flag, a little one. Like I said, everything mm -hmm. here is with a grain of salt, but that's the first thing I look for. Who is the publishing company? The second thing I look for is the author. So usually they'll have their credentials somewhere on, on the publication, usually on the back cover, maybe on the inside back cover. There are three different types of credentials that convey authority on somebody. One is if they've done research or they have an academic background in mm -hmm. this material. So these are like PhDs. There's yeah. a lot of Nobel laureates have written <laughs> books, probably all of them actually. <laughs> um, or if they have certifications mm -hmm. like a certified financial planner or an accredited financial counselor, CFP and AFC, those are the two biggest ones that I look mm -hmm. for. So there's those those credentials. The second one that conveys authority is their work or their station in life. What kind of authority does that bring them? So there's mm -hmm. journalists, like financial journalists out there are often write great books. There's people like Michelle Singletary, Beth Kobliner. Oh, and for academic people, or people with good certifications. I wanted to mention Jill Schlesinger. She's, oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, she's great. And she's a CFP. And she's and she spent like 20 or 30 years as a trader and helping people with their portfolios. So she has both types of that authority. One, mm -hmm. her job and also the certification. And lastly is personal experience. Those are the ones that are really inspiring to hear how other people got through the same thing that you're getting through right now with them. I think the best thing about those is the inspirational it, mm -hmm. because it makes you feel like you can do this too. When somebody comes at it from the outsider's perspective, sometimes that doesn't make it feel possible. People like Tiffany Alice, Tanya Hester, and I'm just naming a few names. Yeah. were the first ones to come to mind. I'm sure that you could name a bunch of people too. I think you bring up some really good tips and advice. And something I would add listening to you is whenever I'm trying to approach something new, whether, you know, it's finance or anything is if it's a, a subject I want to understand, I try to get two to three books. I don't rely on one book. And I like how you have kind of the three different expertise and that mm -hmm. can get you covered where you get that inspiration. And then if you want a little more financial technical knowledge, you have that in there too. And some people are really good at piecing everything together. I do love those tips. I know you got more. 
I'm going to okay, let you okay. go. <laughs> I managed to limit myself to this three and only one of them has three subgroups. So you already <laughs> went through the three subgroups. So, all right, just like in social media, like whenever you're buying something from Amazon, you look for mm-hmm. social proof. You probably read the reviews before you buy something from Amazon. Same thing with personal finance books. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll have, if there, if there are good reviews, they will mm-hmm. blurb them on the back of the book, on the inside cover, maybe on the first page or something. So one of the books that I love is Millionaire Next Door. Yeah. And not even so much the quality of the blurb is what I'm looking for. I mean, of course mm-hmm. you want it to say something good, but who did it? So on the back, they have Forbes and the Washington Post. And then if you look on the inside, they've got USA Today, Boston Globe, San Francisco Business Times, like all these major publications read this book and liked it. So that's important. The awards, like I mentioned, if somebody won a Nobel Prize in economics, I bet you their book is pretty good. It might be hard to get through, but I bet you it's pretty good. Speaking of some, I have Irrational Exuberance back behind me, who was written by Schiller, I believe, who did win Nobel Prize. I have not read it yet. I need to get to that. But you said yet. See? Yet. I, yet. 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 Yes. I have not gotten to it yet. And I did want to note that just because a book is a bestseller mm-hmm. does not mean it is good. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Or it's helpful for you, you and your situation. Mm-hmm. I've been there, too. I've I've had some books recommended to me and I started it and I did not finish it. I should put that there. You don't have to finish the book if it's not working for you. Yes. Yes. 100% librarian stamped approved. If you don't like the book, stop reading it. Move on. Yeah. You know, being a, a daughter of a teacher, like part of me is like, I got to finish. It. I got to complete it. No, you don't. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So those were my sort of big things just to look for immediately. Yeah. Um, That's what I look for before I grab a book. And then I read about, well, what does the book cover? Is it Mm -hmm. something I'm interested in? And if it is great, I'll pick it up. I'll read the first chapter or so and see if I like it. And I love that you mentioned Mm -hmm. about picking up a few books. Yeah. Because there's a lot of great information out there. Don't limit yourself to just one. And you don't have to read the whole book. You can skip through books. I mean, ideally you would read the whole book, but if there's only three chapters that you want to read, read those three chapters. Great. Give yourself a gold star. Move on. Yeah. And I think also when we talk about books, a lot of it's going to be the same. (laughs) Like if you're doing a personal finance book, many of them are going to have overlapping advice when you're reading several of them, you're going to see where it overlaps and hopefully they're all giving you good, solid financial advice. The key is also to find that perspective that speaks to you. I think we got into this a little bit before we hit record was they're coming from personal experience, their journey. For example, when I wrote my book, that was the perspective of I wanted to help newlyweds or couples I had been married. They're in this marriage. They're ready to go. But they have no idea how to work together on finances. And so (laughs) that advice, 80% of it is going to be very similar to what you hear for a single person. I mean, you need to have some kind of goal. You need to have a spending plan, but you're going to have that unique situation perspective. So I'm going to say, well, these are discussions you need to have. And this wouldn't apply to someone else outside here in this situation. It takes practice, but when you read understanding, okay, they're writing from their perspective, then it's easier to kind of grab the 
the nuggets that you need. And then, oh, okay, well, that's nice to know. Maybe in the future, I might need to know that. But today, I'll just skip that chapter because that's not what I'm working on at this point in my season of life or this point in my financial journey. Yeah. And there are a lot of people out there who have written those kinds of books. I like to tell people, if you find somebody that you drive with, you like the way they write, you find them entertaining and engaging, read that person's book. Just because they're all saying the quote unquote, like same thing or Mm -hmm. very similar things, that's not bad. That means that it's time-tested advice. It's like trying to get healthy. If you're trying to get physically healthy, eat right and exercise. Like that's what you should do. That we all know. Eat right. That's bestseller advice, right there. <laughs> but unfortunately, the yeah. bestseller advice yes, is like I eat grapefruits all day long. <laughs> like, I feel like just find whoever if it makes you engaged in the material. And there are so many mm-hmm. really great personal finance authors and speakers right now who you can mm-hmm. find online and you can just find anywhere, and they probably have a book. Before we wrap up, I, I do want to talk about you know we love books. I enjoy books. They were so incredibly helpful. I still read them to learn something new, get a different perspective, but that's not the only way you can learn about finances. I was curious, do you have any recommendations about other things like YouTube channels or podcasts? I don't know if you want specific recommendations, but everybody learns differently, by the Mm -hmm. way, too. Like, So if you're visual, probably something more like YouTube, but if you need the audio input, I always listen to, as I mentioned, Jill Schlesinger again, because I like her because she's very engaging. She is interesting to listen to. Plus she has decades of experience and the certified financial planner credential. There's another person um, on her shows who is also a certified financial planner. So like they talk it out between them and sometimes they disagree and that's fine. Mm -hmm. It's important to understand that when it comes to money, there is no one size fits all. Yeah. I know there's some guardrails, but there's a lot of leeway and it also depends where you're going, what your financial goals are too. Maybe you don't want a traditional retirement. Maybe you want something different. Oh yeah. Like I know a few people who really don't have much in the stock market, but they own a lot of property. Yeah. And they're like, that's my retirement. Okay, yeah. great. It works for them. If, yeah, it works for you. Perfect. As far as YouTube goes, that one, anything online because it's so unregulated and same with like that book publisher that there's no other eyes on it massive grain of salt and Mm -hmm. you use your noggin there's a lot of people who are fantastic at media and marketing and getting their face out there whether or not they're any good at financial stuff is kind of something else entirely when it comes to youtube there are great people like you i also like uh, the financial diet on youtube is probably my favorite financial channel I think they've got a lot of really, really high quality videos, mm-hmm. always solid advice on YouTube. If you're online, the same rules apply that I mentioned with books. What are the qualifications of whoever is writing it? Mm-hmm. Academic, work, or personal experience? A, a giant red flag. And, and most of my red flags, I say grain of salt. This one, no <laughs> grain of salt. Just go run. Is if somebody specifically says, go buy this stock or bond right now. <laughs> I think that's also something that we should mention, whether it's a book, YouTube channel, or if you're doing a podcast, they don't know your personal situation and your financial circumstances. Because if you're like most people, it's complex. It is full of layers. So it's not a one size fits all advice. You really have to 
do your homework with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like if you have a multi-million dollar portfolio and most of it is in like index funds and bonds and some mm-hmm. real estate, it's very well diversified. And then you say, put in a hundred thousand dollars on crypto. Well, for you, that wouldn't be much. Mm-hmm. If you've got a multi-million dollar portfolio, that is a small, yeah. small portion of your portfolio. Sure. You can lose it. But if you then go out and say, well, I just bought a hundred thousand dollars in crypto, you should too. But somebody who maybe is making 30 grand a year and who doesn't have mm-hmm. that kind of wealth. I mean, I don't think that there's any certified financial planner out there who would think that that's a good idea to get into something so risky. I, I think it all comes back to when you're educating yourself, you want to go with trusted sources. If you're like us, you probably have quite a number of accounts between the two of you, including your old 401ks. It can be difficult to stay on top of everything, especially when your old employer switches providers, which is what happened with my husband. Here's where our sponsor Capitalize can help. Capitalize helps you find and roll over an old 401k into an IRA of your choice for free. They handle the entire process. And yes, that includes calling your old employer or the 401k provider on your behalf. If you're ready to make managing your old 401ks much easier, find out more at simplifyandenjoy.com slash capitalize. Before we wrap up, I want to share a few key takeaways I picked up from my conversation with Kate. The first one dealt with the last point we made in our discussion, which is take time to find trusted sources. You want to do this not just with your books, but podcasts and videos. Really, anytime you're using other people's advice and information in your own life. It is wonderful, and I love that there are so many different resources out there. Many of them free or very low cost, but they're not always the same in quality. So yes, it's going to take some work up front, but it does pay off to do this first and sift through everything. The second takeaway is have a couple of reference points with your books. Kate described the three different types of expertise, which I think can be extremely helpful as you're building up your library. Now, you don't need to have a ton of books, but it's good to have different perspectives. Mixing the perspectives of someone from an academic or a technical background, along with someone who has been in that situation and has gotten out of it or has built something from that can be extremely helpful. These different perspectives can give you a better overall picture of the situation so that you can make a decision that fits you and your circumstances. And that all ties into that idea that personal finance is just that, it's personal. So there's not gonna be exactly one book podcast, video, whatever resource that completely covers your situation. We're all unique. So it's great to have different resources that you can pull from as you need to. Finally, one of the best ways you can support your favorite author and help others around in the community is requesting that your local library orders their book. Usually every library system has a form where you can request a book if you don't see it on the shelves. 
This is another way to make good resources more available and accessible to others in the community. Don't forget, if you're looking for more resources to pay off your debt, save more, or simplify your finances, please join our community. It's free. Each week, I update you with the latest episodes, videos, and posts, not just from here, but other places as well that's all geared to helping you reach your family and financial goals. Just head over to simplifyandenjoy.com slash listen. I'd love for you to join us. Special thanks to Kate for being a part of this episode. You should definitely check out her videos on YouTube. It's under Miss Moody. And she also has a site if you want to reach out to her for some coaching over at MissMoody.com. As always, I'll have the resources we mentioned today, including a curated list, a personal finance book based on different paths of your financial journey over at SimplifyAndEnjoy.com. Next week on the podcast, we're talking about kids and money. We're dealing with a 10 and 7 year old. So we're wondering, is the bank of mom and dad the way to go? And what does that look like? We're going to be talking about more than just allowances. When do you open up a bank account with them? When do you start telling them about investing? How do you get them involved with the family budget? So if you don't want to miss out on that episode, make sure you're subscribed to the show. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, wherever you listen to your podcasts. In two weeks, we're going to be doing a Q&A mailbag episode. So there's still time to send your questions in. If you're already a part of the community and getting the weekly newsletters, you can just hit reply and send that in. Or if you want to do it more privately, you can go to simplifyandenjoy.com slash mailbag. Our theme song was by Staircases, additional music by various artists over at Audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much, not just for listening to the show, but also for your support. Keep sending in those questions, stories, and ideas you have. I want to make the show as helpful and as relevant as possible. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.